prayed three three times three times a day. Uh, so there were these two guys that did that did that the king really liked Daniel more than them, and they were very jealous. And they said, we don't like Daniel. So the two guys asked the king to make the law. And then the king said, okay. So they made a, a law. And they can't pray to anyone else but the king. Daniel prayed to God and got thrown in the lion's den. Wow. My God is for me. Amen. My God is for me. Don't you just love kids in the way that they can sometimes tell stories as only kids can tell stories? I've often found myself telling friends and close family members, if, if you'll sometimes believe half of what my kids say, I'll believe half of what yours say to me. So um, it's incredible to, to hear that. And I, I tell you the thing that I love about kids. When I think about living life like a child, I love their deep-seated faith and trust. Now, this was never written in a book for me, uh, uh, you know, being a dad of three daughters. I, I don't know if I've seen this modeled out. I don't know if my dad did this to me when I was a kid. And I don't know if any of you have tried this, but I can remember testing this theory of a kid's trust and faith and their humbleness. And so to test that theory, I remember taking um, Carly, my firstborn, and standing her up on a table or the countertop. You know, it was a high place for a little two- or three-year-old. And stepping back... And what did I say? Jump, right? Isn't that crazy as a dad to do that? And I was like, yeah, come on, you could do this jump. And without hesitation, it blew my mind. This precious little girl leaped. She just jumped, arms just cackling, woo, here I go, you know, right into daddy's arms. And I think about that, and I was just, I'm just blown away at their trust and their faith, that deep-seated trust and faith that a child will often have. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 10, because today I want us to look at a passage of Scripture in which Jesus has this encounter with some kids. It doesn't start off to be a great thing, because as these kids are brought into Jesus, parents have heard about Jesus, they've seen him perform miracles, all these different types of things. They begin to bring Jesus to these, uh, to, to Jesus, to hear him teach, and the disciples, these disciples are like, no way, this is no place for a kid. This is like grown-up stuff right? Kids can't get this. this. This just can't be for them. And so they begin to basically shoo these kids away, begin to push them away. And the Bible says that Jesus really, he became indignant at this. I mean, he was, he was purely upset that the disciples were pushing these kids away. And so he uses this as an incredible opportunity to teach us an amazing lesson. A lesson that I've been praying this week that, that God will use to help kind of dive down into your heart. And to plant in your heart. Because he's been planting it in mine. This is kind of this continual process that goes on. But look here in Mark chapter 10, verse 15, at, um, at what scripture says. Jesus says this. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God, like what? Like a child. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Anyone who doesn't stand on the counter... In front of their heavenly daddy. And when he says, come on, jump. They just jump. Anyone who doesn't have that kind of deep-seated faith and humility and trust in God. 
doesn't enter the kingdom of heaven. I believe that's kind of where Jesus is going here as he talks about that. Matter of fact, I want to give you the definition of faith. This isn't in your notes, but I'm going to put it on the screen. Here's what one definition of faith is. It's confidence or trust in a person, thing, or deity. God. Now, more than likely... These children who were coming to Jesus had probably, they'd heard about him. Their parents had talked about him. Who knows, maybe they had even seen Jesus perform a miracle. Maybe they had an uncle who was once blind but now could see. Who knows, because a couple of chapters earlier than this, Jesus took a little boy's sack lunch and he performed a miracle because he took that little boy's sack lunch and he fed over 5,000 people. Maybe some of these kids knew that little boy. We don't know. But what we do know is Jesus is teaching us this incredible story of faith and trust in your heavenly Father, that God is for us. And it's amazing to me how kids get this. I saw one particular example this week on Facebook. Gotta love Facebook, right? And a lot of you know Jeremy and Yolanda Cyril, and they've gone through some incredible difficulties over the last few weeks. Their, their house, they lost their house in a, in a fire tragically, and and so this week, I just, I, think, I believe it was on Tuesday, Yolanda had written about her daughter, Maya, 10 years old, an exchange that they had. And I want to I share this with you, the deep faith and trust of a child. Here's, here's what Yolanda wrote. She said, we just got home from Maya's soccer game where she was benched most of the game. Everybody say, boo, right? I mean, that's how we feel as parents. And that's how Yolanda was feeling here. She said, I was very frustrated and I even stated that I was so angry. She asked, meaning Maya asked her, she said, are you mad at my coach? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I replied, yeah, she said. And then, it, get this, a 10-year-old daughter says this, mom, go pray about it. That's what I did. When I came home and I went to the shower, I prayed that God would help me not be angry at my coach. And Yolanda said, for real? She said, it's all about perspective, isn't it? I was sinning with bitterness while my 10-year-old had already figured it out. Unless you come to me like one of these little children, Jesus says. This is how, this is the picture that we get. This is the way he wants us to come to him. And I believe that Jesus is referring to that deep-seated faith and humility and trust. Now, why did the disciples need this lesson? Why did they need this object lesson? Why do you and I need to hear this lesson this morning? Well, let me ask it to you in a different way. When is the last time you had childlike faith? When is the last time you stood on the counter and your heavenly daddy said, jump? And you did without thinking about it. With complete trust and faith in where God was leading you and where he was taking you. You see, for me, when, when I, my kids were little, uh, and I'd stand them up on the counter, and I'd say jump, and this happened with several different things, immediately, when they're little, I and mean, when they're two and three, they just jump, right? They're just full of trust. They're just full of that trust in daddy and that faith. But something happens along the way. As my kids got a little bit older, maybe one of them tripped on the sidewalk, and they experienced a fall right? Gravity, the gravitational pull. And they learn very quickly how hard concrete can be and that it can create little boo-boos on, on your knee and you have to go get a Band-Aid because, you know, you're, you bleed, you know, and that kind of thing. And so there's a little bit of pain. And as we get a little bit older, I often wonder, could it be that the difficulties that the disciples had experienced in life, the doubts, the fears, began to come into play because they'd experienced 
pain, struggle. Because if you haven't figured this out yet, our world is a messed up place. And there's a lot of things that are going on in this world that we can't explain. And I've come to the realization that I'm not supposed to know the answers to all those things. Because at the point that you and I know all the answers to everything that we see around us, at that point we become God. And the last time I checked, we're not God. Only one has the answers. It's God Almighty himself has the answers. And so for us, we go through those difficulties, those challenges in life. And unfortunately, what can begin to happen is you can come to a place in your life where instead of saying, I know God is for me, I trust God completely, I'm ready to jump into his arms, you find yourself in a place wondering if there's even a God. And if there is, how could he ever love you? You've been lied to. You've been cheated, you've faced failure, you've faced difficulties and challenges and struggles. And so at some point, could it be that your trust and your willingness at times to have that deep-seated faith is wavering, maybe even shrinking from what you knew as a child? I came across a, a poem this week that was written. It was actually it was written by a 15-year-old boy named Kyle. He sent this to his pastor, his pastor opened it and he read this poem and he was so he was so moved that he contacted the 15 year old boy's parents Kyle's parents and he asked if if Kyle could come in and do this on video and I want you to I want you to listen to the first part of this video of Kyle sharing some very heavy things and I know that there is a good reality that some of you may have come into this place this morning feeling a little bit of what Kyle's going to express if not, it, could, it very well could be that this afternoon you're going to have lunch with somebody who does feel this way. Listen to Kyle's words. God doesn't love me. You can't force me to believe that God is good. This is the one truth in life. This world is a product of chance. How can I believe that God will use my life? I know with certainty that God has left me. Never again will I say that Christ is risen from the dead. I know now more than ever in my life that man could save himself. We must realize that it's ignorant to think God answers prayers. Christians declare that without God, this world would fall into darkness. This world can and will meet my needs. It is a lie to say God has always been there for me. I now realize that no matter what I do, the truth is, he doesn't love me. How can I presume that God is for me? Wow. Just a little bit of encouragement from Kirby Church today, right? I mean, that's tough. That's heavy stuff. And yet, we know, we acknowledge, and we realize that's where a lot of people are. And i got to admit, I've, got, I've just got to be real honest. There's been moments in my life where I've wondered and I've struggled. And so even as I share this message this morning, you need to know that in, in many ways, this is for me as well. Because Jesus said, unless you come to the Father like these little children with this childlike faith and trust and obedience. It's very important for us to understand that. And so what I want to do today is I want to I take you to God's Word, to some promises, to the strong foundation of God's Word, because if we can't stand on that, we can't stand on anything. And I want to challenge you in this. I want to challenge you in understanding from a child's perspective that God is for me. Because when a child stands at that place in front of God and God says, come on, follow me, jump, they just do. It's because they know that God has got their best in store for them, right? 
That God is, is in favor of them. That God is for them. And I want us to understand that because when you grasp that, even as an adult, I think it changes how you deal with things in your life. It changes that, that faith mechanism, so to speak, in your life. And I want to acknowledge this too, that for some of you, reading a few Bible passages and preaching a sermon on this very well may not change your mind. I get that. For some of you, what you're going through, I've never faced. And I've never been there. And I have no idea how difficult it may be. But I do know this. I know that God is good. And that his word is something that we can stand on. His promises are true. They have stayed true throughout the centuries. He has never let us down. And when you find yourself in the midst of that ocean of wondering, you can trust in him and you can call out to him. And so my prayer this morning as I share this as it falls upon your hearts is that God would just do something with that. Because for some of you, it's going to take a God thing. And I get that. And so I, I want to take you to some passages here this morning. I want to encourage you in this, that God is for you. Look, look with me in Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse five, uh, 4 and 5. It says this, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you, before I even formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, you were set apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now this is, this is basically a love letter to Jeremiah. This is God expressing to Jeremiah his promise for him. And it's a promise that you and I can hang on today. Uh, the fact that God knew us before we were even conceived. He knew us. He knew you. And he had a purpose and a plan for your life. Now for Jeremiah, his ministry was difficult. He suffered even at the hands of some of his own people. And you have to wonder, when he suffered in a dark dungeon in jail, was it these words, this promise... That brought him hope. That God knew him. That God had a purpose and he had a plan for him. That God was for him. Listen, if you don't get anything else with this message, I want you to take this home. I want you to understand this. I want you to know that even before you were born, God knew you. He knew you and he loved you and he had a purpose and he had a plan for your life. That's a huge promise. That's a huge piece of truth. When everything else around us seems like it's not making any sense at all, we can stand on that truth and be grounded in it that God loves you. He knew you before you were even created, before you were even born. And he had a purpose and a plan for your life. Look at this passage in Psalm 139. This is encouraging. Look at this. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passes. God knows you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Guys, listen, other people are going to break their promises. We already know that. You've experienced that. But God keeps his promises. He always has and he always will. You can count on that. Look with me at Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I love the power in that verse, that when you're loving Christ and you're faithfully trusting him, you're following after him, you can trust and know that God is for you. It goes on to say this. It says, he did not spare his own son. How will he not also, along with him, along with Christ, graciously give us all things? God didn't even hold back his only son, but sent Jesus to die, to shed his blood for your sins and for my sins. 
God is for us. As you think about those things, as you kind of rest in this truth, this promise that no matter what I'm facing in this world, no matter what I'm going through, that when I come to Christ as a little child, I can understand and I can know that God is for me. That's a life changer. That's a big thing for you to grasp and understand. And there's three things that I think that it can begin to change in your life. And I want to share those with you quickly. If you want to take down notes, look at this first one with me. Point number one here, when I realize that God is for me, I don't hide from God, but I run to God. Isn't that powerful? You see, when you don't trust someone, when you don't believe in that person, you're going to avoid that person. You're going to even maybe run from that person. This is what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right in the very beginning of the creation story. We find out that Adam and Eve sinned against God, and what happened? Because of their sin... They hid from God in the garden. And God came to him and he basically said, where are you? And Adam says this. Adam says, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid. I was afraid, so we hid. I was afraid, so we hid. Listen, when you don't trust in your father God, that he created you, that he loves you, that he's got a purpose and a plan for your life, when you don't have faith in knowing that he is for you, You can find yourself running from the very God who can help you. You can find yourself avoiding the very God who loves you and created you and means the the best for you. Many of you know that just over six years ago, God led Julie and I to adopt a little girl. Uh, We have two biological daughters at the time, and and, uh, this was about a two-year process that we went through to adopt little Claire Juliana Xiaoyan from China. And I'll never forget making that journey. We took our whole family and we're in China for 16 days. And about five or six days into the trip, we were handed this beautiful little 10-month-old baby girl. Claire was 10 months old. She couldn't sit up. She'd never been fed with a spoon. She'd only been fed with a bottle. And at times, she wasn't fed with a bottle like you and I would have been fed with a bottle. She wasn't held and cradled and given the bottle. The bottle was tied to the side of a bed. A bed that had no blankets, no padding, no cushion. As a plywood platform, the child lays on the bed and or on the on the plywood, and the the baby bottle is tied to the bed, basically. And at times, they feed themselves if they can. So this was the little girl that was handed to us. She'd never been around men. For two years, I'd prayed and I'd poured myself, my wife and I, into this process of bringing this little home, this little girl home. And when she's handed to us. And we take her back to the hotel and we're trying to spend time with her. She is terrified of me. She doesn't want to have anything to do with me. She doesn't want me to touch her. She doesn't want me to feed her. She doesn't want anything to do with her dad. But I want you to know what happened. A few, a few weeks, matter of fact, it didn't take long. A few weeks into this process of us just loving on this little girl. Something began to change. It began to click on the inside of her. You begin to see this little baby girl begin to trust and believe and understand and know that we were for her, that God had sent us to take her into our family and that we loved her. And as I, as I hugged on her and as I carried her and as I spent time with her, her little heart began to open and she just, she just began to accept me as her dad. I got a little video I got to show you. This is, this is the first time a few months into this process where we, at home, we fed Claire a plate of spaghetti. 
okay? But what I want you to get, not so much the spaghetti and how she's eating the spaghetti, but I want you to get her reactions as, as we were trying to get her to respond to us, in particular me as her dad. Listen to little Claire. You say, Mom, 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 Mom. Go, go, go. Go, Can you say dad, dad? Dad, dad, dad. Oh, oh, dad, dad. Isn't that it? I mean, isn't that it? Here's this little girl who didn't want anything to do with me. And she says dad, dad before she said mama. I like to point that. I'm sorry, it's Mother's Day. I shouldn't do that. But she said dad, dad. It was just incredible. It melted my heart. But it just reminds me, guys, so often of how much our Heavenly Father loves us. Because if you haven't gotten this, please get this today. You have been adopted into God's family. When you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you now are adopted into his family. You are now a son of the living God. You're now a daughter of the living God. He is your heavenly daddy. And he he wants the best for you. He wants good things for you. God is for you. Be careful not to let the things that we face in this world cause us to run from the one who loves us the most, but to run to him and into his arms. I want you to get this in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. It says, the name of the Lord is what? It's a strong tower. It's a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. How crazy is it that we would run from God? And yet, we do. And that may be where some of you are here today. You're disconnected. You find yourself avoiding anything that has to do with God. You're not even sure how you got here this morning. Second thing I want you to get is this in your notes, if you'd write this down. When I realize that God is for me, I don't live for God's approval, but I live from God's approval. Guys, this is a game changer. You want to talk about something that can change and revolutionize your life? Because so many of us have grown up hearing about religion. And I've got to do more to make God happy. I've got to do more to please God. I've got to do more to get God's forgiveness. And the truth of the matter is there is nothing else you can do to earn any more love from God than what he has already given you at the beginning. Check this out. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Long before we'd done anything, Christ died for us. And when you realize this and you stop trying to earn God's approval, because following Christ is about a relationship with a God who loves you and has given everything for you, there is nothing else you can do to earn that. We've got to stop trying to win brownie points with a God who, kept, who stopped keeping score 2,000 years ago. He loves you. He is for you. The third thing is this. When you realize, when you realize that God is for you, you won't fear what happens to you because you know that God is working in you. Now, I've got to admit, this is a tough one for me. I like it when things are smooth sailing. I don't like difficulties. I don't like struggles. I don't think any of us really do. I mean, we like the easy way out, right? We want things to come to us quickly, and that's, that's just kind of how we like things. 
And yet we're told in Romans 8.28, it says, and we know that in all things, look what it says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. In the book of James chapter 1, James tells us that we can, we can consider it a blessing or count it a blessing when we face difficult trials and temptations. We can, matter of fact, face those things with joy. I don't know about you, but when things don't go my way, I'm not very joyful about it, you know? What I've learned, what I've learned over time, and I'm still learning in this process, is that everything that's happened in my life, every little bit of strength and faith and encouragement and belief that I have in God, most of that has come through the challenges and the struggles that I have faced. And God works even through those things. He never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a hang-up. He never wastes a struggle in our life. He can use it. Look at this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to what? To his good pleasure. To what pleases him. This past week, our church has had this incredible privilege to, to partner with a, um, a ministry called ChristNet. Our church was basically, for the last week, turned into a hotel for people who've lost their homes in our area. And so meals were prepared, beds were set up, People were here, and they stayed, and we worshiped together. We spent time together. It was a powerful, powerful week. It was an incredible thing to be a part of. And it was amazing how, even in their struggle, even in the difficulty, how they encouraged us, and they gave us hope. One young lady in particular, she came to us on Wednesday night. Her, we just call her T. And, and T was here, and she shared her story how a couple of years ago her husband had died. And this past week, she'd went, witnessed a murder downtown. She no longer felt safe in the low-income housing, so she left. And she came to us on Wednesday night, widow, homeless, but not without hope. Not without hope. Because at one point, she wanted to share a song that she had written. And with her permission, she sang the song. It was videotaped, and I want to share it with you this morning. Listen to the heart of young T. Beautiful, Jesus is beautiful, and Jesus makes beautiful things of my life. Carefully touching me, causing my eyes to see that Jesus makes beautiful things of my life. Man, isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Childlike faith, childlike trust that brings hope when you know and you understand that God is for you. God is for you. There is nothing, there is nothing that can stop the purpose and the promise of God in your life. And if you're facing something right now, I want you to understand that sometimes God's setbacks are his setups for where he's taking you and for what he wants to do in your life. I don't have all the answers. I can't begin to explain them all. And I know for some of you this doesn't make it a whole lot easier maybe in, in everything that you're facing, but I hope that you'll find a little bit of peace and a little bit of hope in knowing, a little bit of encouragement in knowing that you can trust in a God who loves you, who has got his best in store for you, a God who is for you and has given everything for you. There is nothing you can do anymore to learn, earn his love and trust. It's there for you right now. 
for the taking. I shared with you 15-year-old Kyle's poem. It's actually part of his poem. Because what happened is this pastor read the poem. The first part of it was so heavy, he closed his computer. He wouldn't read the, the rest of the poem that was sent to him via email until a little bit later, after he'd already arranged for Kyle to come do the video. And I want you to see, not only in this video, what the lack of understanding that God is for you, that he loves you, that he created you, that he has a plan and a purpose for your life, the, the emptiness in that that it creates, but also the hope is when you do understand and you get that God is for you. Listen to Kyle's poem again. Here's the one truth in life. This world is a product of chance. How can I believe God will use my life? I know with certainty that God has left me. Never again will I say Christ has risen from the dead. I know now more than ever in my life a man can save himself. You must realize that it is ignorant to think God answers prayers. Christians declare that without God, this world would fall into darkness. This world can and will meet my needs. It is a lie to say God has always been there for me. I now realize that no matter what I do, truth is, he doesn't love me. How can I presume God is for me? Unless God changes my heart and I come to realize that God is for me, how can I presume that he doesn't love me? The truth is, no matter what I do, I now realize that God has always been there for me. It is a lie to say that this world can and will meet my needs. Without God, this world would fall into darkness. Christians declare that God answers prayers. You must realize that it's ignorant to think man can save himself. I know now, more than ever in my life, that Christ is risen from the dead. Never again will I say that God has left me. I know with certainty that God will use my life. How can I believe that this world is a product of chance? This is the one truth in life. God is good. You can't force me to believe God doesn't love me. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? I hope you find hope in that this morning, in God's promises, and in this incredible object lesson that we have here on Mother's Day from Mark chapter 10, as Jesus says, unless you come like these precious little kids, we can learn so much from our kids. And it may be that some of you here this morning, you're standing on that table, and you may find yourself, you're 30, 35, 40, 55, it doesn't matter, you're an adult now, but you're standing there and God is saying, I love you. Trust me. Jump. I'll catch you. I've got you. I am for you.